Perez. Walter makes a run ahead of it. Burkamp suddenly changed pace through the centre. It's Burkamp! That's magnificent! The move, and then this, which left Dabby's ass totally stranded. Hello, and welcome to About Cup Wonderland. We are an Arsenal podcast, and I'm delighted to tell you that this week's podcast is named after my sex life. My name is Chris, I am your host, and this evening, it is just me and one other it's Mr. Carl, the legend that is. How are you doing, sir? Oh, sorry, I was going to take 26 seconds to apply it and see if anyone <laughs> moaned about it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm fine, guys. I'm, uh, I'm really, really good. Um, tired as hell. Do you know what it is? Um, it's getting to that time where summer's over, that mm. uh, the mornings are darker, the evenings are darker as well. So I don't suffer from seasonal affective disorder, but... You know, it does take a toll on your body sometimes. But do you know what? I don't mind it because I like football under the lights. You know, it makes me think of better times when we was in the Champions League and playing under the lights and it's all good. So, yeah, um, just life in general. But as you know, Chris, Arsenal always make me feel better when they win, uh, which they did this week. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. can't complain. We will absolutely get into that shortly. Um, football under the lights, by the way. Yeah, I do agree with you. See, I definitely do suffer with the sad disorder. I, I already, I went for a run this afternoon and it was like, you can just tell, can't you? Like the air's mm. just different and the trees are different and the sky's different and it's just like, oh God. So yeah, I'm, I'm not, a, I don't dislike winter, but I'm, yeah, I'm not a fan. And weirdly, I think about football under the lights. You can think about the glory days of, you know, the Arshavin goal against Barcelona and the, the, the Van Persie in the new camp and, you know, so many memories of football and delights. Weirdly, I can only ever remember like Chris Kiwambia playing against Forest for Arsenal in like 1994. I don't know why. I just, it's just one of those things that comes to mind. I have no idea why. Anyway, anyway, right. Uh, good evening to everybody who's in the chat. I see you, regulars, I see you. And for those of you who are in the live chat tonight, we have something that you might like. Because there might be something that you might be able to win. We will let you know more at the end of the show. See what I'm doing there? I'm making them stick around so they can't leave because they want to win something at the end of the show. So clever marketing, that is. Anywho, we're with you twice this week. Not once, but twice. That's right. We're testing our new formats for Champions League slash European nights this season. Hopefully they're all going to be in the Champions League, but you never know. So we are going to do the weekend's game, of course, the 1-0 win at Everton, which we'll do in a second, myself and Carl. And then on Thursday, we shall return with a a post-Champions League discussion, win, lose or draw as well. So uh, we will be back on Thursday. So two shows, one week, you lucky devils. Right, Carl, just me and you tonight. So we'll, we'll have plenty of time to back and forth if you will but um let's let's get into the meat of yesterday then first win at everton i believe is in six attempts i think i'm right in saying I yeah 2017 i believe is it that long ago jesus yeah it was six 
was it, I, I vaguely remember, wasn't that? Uh, didn't we? Who scored? Was it? Frashed him like we frashed him like five two or something like that. I've, on the um, last show that I was on, Danny tested my knowledge and asked yeah. me who scored, and it was um, Lacazette. About, no, it wasn't yeah. Lacazette, um, Ozil, Ramsey, uh, Kashani. I think popped up with a goal. Yeah, that rings and a bell. Someone else, I can't remember, but I got four out of five, whoever it was. But yeah, yeah um, it's, it's, it's a long time, and it's one of those places where you think um, Sanchez, that's the one, it was Sanchez. Yes, the one, so that's the yeah, um, so you would think that um, Everton's one of those um, teams where you would think that we would go and beat them all the time, and we have done, but it just seems to be a little bit of a who do ground for us? And I don't know why. You know, one of the things I just can't explain. You know, Everton is one of those old school grounds, you know, four, um, four sides, really small pitch, like the fans are right on top of you. Um, and I just don't know why we just, for some unknown reason, just couldn't win there. And it's really strange, especially how poor Everton are. I mean, if you remember last season, I think Everton lost something stupid like seven games before they played us um they already got their new manager bounce because sean dyche came in uh and then proceeded to lose another 10 games I, I, something along them lines it's just weird how football works out but you know they always say as you know in football chris if you're on a losing streak play arsenal <laughs> and you're guaranteed a win and you'll be back yeah yeah 100 i vaguely remember didn't we beat everton Post or oh, post invincibles, and didn't De Nielsen score from like 30 yards? I seem to remember that. I think that was at Goodison like years and years ago. Uh, but that's that's one memory I have. But most of the memories are just a bit shit, really, to be fair. And um, you know, we're an Arsenal podcast, so we can say what the fuck we like. Can I just take this opportunity to say fuck Everton? Uh, and fuck all their fans because that club is an absolute shit show and I have absolutely no time for them and I hope they get relegated. In fact, I hope they go bust. Absolute cretins. turned into a real shit team. They like have, are, haven't they? Everton are one of those teams where back in the day you may kind of liked, but mm-hmm. lately they just turned into a really, I don't know what it is. Um, it's, it's the fact why. they can't play football, Carl. They, they literally can't play football. Now, whether that's the managers they've had or... But, you know, yesterday, they literally spent 45 minutes just kicking us up in the air. Like, what is this, 1995? Like, get a grip. I mean, to be honest, any Sean Dyche team is going to do that because I I don't think there's any Sean Dyche team that plays uh, proper football. But, um, yeah, it's just, I I don't know. My overriding memory, I think it was last season, and if you remember when Bed Godfrey stamped on um, Tommy Asu, Scott Free. Scott Free, mm-hmm. nothing happened to him. And you're just like, really? Like, seriously? And just, yeah, I'll, I'll get into it about the foul on Saka as well lately. But like, I just, yeah, you're right. Just one of those teams where you just tell Sean Dyche, his team talk was, stick it to them. Arsenal don't like it rough. You know, just mm. them score some other dice, like stupidness that he does. I thought it was very apparent from the off that their tactics were very much, we did it last year, we'll do it again. It was, it was very much the template was there, wasn't it? He was trying to get involved. And I, and I thought, we'll come on to the Sky coverage later on, but I thought one of the few valid points that they made throughout the whole afternoon was that we were, I think it was Theo Walker actually made the point at halftime, we were starting to fall into the trap, weren't we? Like it was, 
it was that we were starting to get involved. We were starting to rise to it. The crowd were up and we were just that little bit, you know, on the edge, shall we say, of getting involved in it. And that worried me until we had the moment of the, the, the no goal goal, shall we call it. What did you make of that? Because barring a few sort of intricate sideways passes that we love to do on the edge of the box repeatedly and a few kind of near things where we kind of created but didn't have a uh, sort of a killer touch there wasn't like wasn't a final ball in the end that was that moment where Martinelli sort of Thierry on read it into the corner and it's a beautiful finish lovely assist from Vieira what where do you sit on the the argument I was I, I was very angry at the time I'm not going to lie because <laughs> I just thought it was I thought the angle was a bit crap um I think somebody tweeted and said, how can they only have an angle from the burger van in the corner of the ground? Which I enjoyed greatly. But um, looking back at the coverage, I just feel like it, I just feel like that decision benefited the defending. It's too much of an easy get out, isn't it? That rule. Because if an, if it, if an attacker slides in and it hits off and goes in the favor of the other attacker, it's just instantly, you know, they're not going to get that, are they? But yet in this circumstance, apparently they do. I, what did you make of it all? So, in regards to the lines, I don't have any qualms in how they draw the lines. I think they calibrate the lines all the time. And, you know, if we're going to look at this one, they got to probably look at the Man United one, uh, Emirates last week. So, also the week before the international break. So, I'm neither here nor there on it. My issue is it comes to... You know when, um, so I'll just go back a little bit. So you know when um, a, a attacker is in the offside position and they go towards the ball, and but the attacker doesn't play the ball and they mm. say they wasn't involved. Yeah. Now, if you're not, in, what are you doing on the pitch if you're not involved in football? Clearly you mm-hmm. are. So that's what kind of that goes down the route of. So although it wasn't a, the defender didn't, or the attacker, sorry, or the striker, didn't deliberately kick the ball backwards, he went towards the ball. And his deviation, so his, um, the reason why the ball went backwards or forward, sorry, is because the defender got in the way. Otherwise, that would have been a square ball um, from Gabriel to maybe it was Ben White, I think it was. Mm. And that ball would have gone to Ben White, square ball. But because of the Everton player getting involved, it then went forward. And then that's how it got to be on Inketia. Whether he meant it or not, that's ridiculous. Because that's like me saying, oh, I'm going to pass the ball to someone and uh, if it doesn't go to that player, then it should be offside. Like it, just, it just doesn't make sense, the rule. And I always, like I said, with all these things, I always think back to if that was against Arsenal, would I be mad? And I probably would. I would be relieved that that was called offside because I think that should be a goal. I I Mm. genuinely think that should be a goal, even if it was against us. And I don't see how that's offside. I just don't, I I really, really don't. It's just, it's so weird that just because it didn't, um, he didn't mean it. I should have, didn't this happen in the Champions League final against Real Madrid, Liverpool? I want to say, I'm sure something along them lines happened where, did if something the ball got played, and um, because it it was a deflection, the goal got chalked off. I'm sure it happened in the Champions League final. Unless I'm making does, it up, 
does ring a bell. Yeah, yeah, I'm just like it really does. Like, see if I can find it. Yeah, and it was. I'm sure it was the um, Liverpool versus Real Madrid um, final where Real Madrid won one nil. I want to say maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure something like that happened as well. But for me, I still, I just think it's really stupid how you can't say, oh, just because he didn't mean it, it didn't happen. It happened, and it's just tough luck. Mm. Um, it was really. I don't know, it was a good finish by Martinelli and I think brilliant, but I don't see how that's chalked off. And I know offside is offside, but that rule is ridiculous, like really ridiculous. And they're meant to be favouring the attacking players, but they're not. They're, 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 they're finding ways to chalk off goals rather than give goals. And I find that mm. in a lot of uh, Premier League games, maybe just Premier League games, in all games in, uh, in football, they find the yeah. reasons not to give goals rather than reasons to give goals. And that was one where can you, you can class it as unlucky. I mean, within the rules, Chris, it's an offside. It is. Mm. If yeah, that's yeah. the rules, then it's offside. Yeah. But it's a stupid offside rule, like really stupid offside rule. Well, doesn't it come down to that consistency thing as well? Because you look at, for example, I know it doesn't affect us, but you look at, for example, that this interfering with play thing let's not forget that Nathan Ake decision against Fulham for Man City. Exactly. You know, where it's like blatantly Rashford, upside. Rashford yeah. last year. Um, exactly. Just ridiculous. And, then, and, yeah, sorry, and we saw, we, I was just going to say, we saw other other circumstances. Anthony Gordon flinging himself to the floor at Newcastle. Granted, the goalkeeper shouldn't have shouldn't be out where he is, but that's a blatant dive. I mean, he's going down about four hours before the game kicks off. He's, he's that early. <laughs> like, and... A bit of a side, a bit of a side note rant here, but let's be honest, a lot, not a lot happened in the Everton game, so we can we can sidetrack ourselves a little here. I I'm really concerned about the level of refereeing we have in this country. I watch, as you know, a lot of European games, um, not as much as I used to. Granted, you know, most of it is is Liga and and Liga. That's generally where I watch the rest of my games. But I do, I flick on for a bit of Bundesliga here and there and a bit of Serie A, Forza Milan, by the way. Um, Inter, that is. But uh, I watch a fair amount of games and I don't see... What I don't see with a lot of the referees in other countries is I don't see this holier-than-thou element, this weird... They, they, I get the impression that English uh, or British referees or referees in the Premier League, they all want to be celebrities, don't they? Like there's this joke going around about like celebrity big brother refs, you know, like because they want to be celebrities. This is what bugs me about it. We had the incident with Paul Hackingbottom, didn't we, at Spurs, where he was sort of saying that the referees were telling him, well, you know, if you don't want to waste time, then your goalkeeper just needs to get rid of it. Now, Sheffield United were wasting a bit of time in that game, I think it's fair to say, and there was probably a bit of salt in his comments there. But if that really did happen, and, and the referees really are saying that to managers, who the fuck are they to say how that how that we should be playing it? But when they're in when they're putting these laws down and you see some of this footage we've seen this season from VAR and the way they talk to players, and there is this no, there's this David Ellery S, there's this no player, I'm the referee. You all abide by my laws. We will play how I want to play. This it's like it's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? And don't get it wrong, you do get other referees on the continent. I'm sure there are a few. There's there's a couple in France that I know of. Um, Clement Turpin is probably the best one. He's got a very I'm in charge aura about him. 
but he doesn't do that thing where, you know, like we get in the Premier League where our referees just sort of, they almost like refuse to even speak to players, you know? And do you remember that famous, I think it was Mike Dean at Old Trafford where a player sort of brushed him and he did that. He's like, don't you dare touch me. I'm a referee. And I just feel like until we get referees who understand players, you know, I'm not talking about like Rain Rooney swearing in players' faces, etc. But I just feel like there has to be a human element. You know, did you see Zinchenko yesterday trying to ask the referee a question uh, towards the end of the game? And he blatantly just backed up because he knew he was going to get booked if he carried on asking the question. How are we living in a world where players cannot ask a referee questions? What what do you make of the standards this season and what we're experiencing? Because for me, it's just ruining the game. Like you say, there's whatever happened to the days of attackers' advantages and the spirit of the game. It's just so strategic and numbery. So in all walks of life, Chris, people make mistakes. To error is human. I, I don't okay, know about that. I'm perfect. <laughs> Obviously, because <laughs> come on now. But uh, apart from yourself, um, everyone makes mistakes in life in their job. I've made mistakes in my job. Um, my everyone knows what I do for work. My job is very high profile. If I make a mistake, people know about it. Um, um, so I and I, you make mistakes. You hold your hands up. And you learn from your mistakes, because what happens is you will never make that mistake again ever. Because mm. you think to yourself, I've done that, so I know I'm. Because if you do something bad or do something wrong, you should get told off, which everyone should do. I've been told off in my job before. And you think to yourself, I'm never going to do that. My issue with the referees is that they're making mistakes week after week after week, and yeah. nothing gets done. Nothing yeah. gets done. I mean, or in public, at least, anyway. You don't know what happens behind closed doors. But if something did happen behind closed doors, the same stuff wouldn't happen over and over again. These referees seem to be on some sort of pedestal where you can't you can't say anything bad about them because automatically you get sanctioned by the Premier League or the FA, bringing the yep. game to disrepute and whatever. So you can't question referees. You can't even say to referee, why did you do that? What the, your rationale behind that? So my issue is consistency. And mm-hmm. I've said this time and time again with the PGMOL, and I think Josh um, sort of agrees with me. It's either corruption. Sorry, who? Wasn't co- oh, that ginger guy. You know, the one. Oh, the Brighton fan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The one who never watches Arsenal games ever. That's the one. Um, it's either <laughs> corruption or it's incompetence. And I'm really sorry to say that there's no in between. There's zero in between because you can't be that bad consistently all the time. I'm not saying yeah. referees don't have a hard job. It, it, imagine trying to almost manage 22 men who are you know amped up for a game to try and control it it must be hard i'm not going to say is it because i've it, done it it is not as a referee like it, but but you know. to kind of get i mean yeah it's hard it's a hard job but if a referee made correct calls whether it be for either side people would be like okay yeah it is what it is but when you make constantly bad calls Mm. And nothing gets done. And it's not even just that. It's the fact that you get help from a person sitting in a caravan somewhere who has the chance to replay certain things. I mean, we're talking about it now, Chris. The foul on Saka Challenge. Yeah. Chris, I'm I'm trying my best to keep my call. I don't get it. How did the referee not give a foul? How? 
I know. You know, there was not, like, not just a foul; it's a booking. Like it's a it's a ridiculous challenge. It's out of control. The issue is that it was about, and I know because I watch F one, I do stuff in tenths of seconds and things like that. But it was over a second and a half mm. for that challenge. So Saka plays the ball, and the ball, and then the challenge comes in. Yeah. And the referee has a cheat to look at it and think that's not a foul. Yeah. Like if that's not a foul, what is? Yep. Exactly. But the thing is, with that now, so. That's a mistake from the referee, correct? No, I would say that's a mistake. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Is that referee going to get reprimanded and say, that's a foul? That mm. is ridiculous. That could change the game. If, if Saka's ankle had been broken, mm. let's say that, what, what happens? Yeah. And I'm not saying protect Saka. I'm not talking about all players in the Premier League, like, except for the Spurs players, obviously. But um, <laughs> that is a ridiculous challenge. And the referee deems that to be okay. He deems that to be that's an okay challenge to do in a football game. Mm. I just, I just, I just don't, I don't understand how. And even if he, do you know what? We wouldn't be talking about this if he called a foul. Even if he didn't book him, yeah. he would have been like, "It's a foul," blah blah blah, whatever. But yeah. the fact that it didn't, he didn't even book him. No, he didn't foul. He, he saw that challenge as fine. That is a blatantly bad mistake. And the thing is, what will happen now is that that player will think, "Oh, I got away with that. Let me see if I can do it again." Mm-hmm. And yeah, well, it's, the, I, it's the Pep Guardiola rotational fouling, isn't it? Like it's, it's the Rodri rule, as I like to call it, where you can go around and kick somebody about eight times before you eventually get booked, and then you just pass it on to someone else to do it for you instead. The um, the only other thing I just want to mention quickly before we get back to the game on referees is, to me, and I know this wouldn't solve the problem because I get exactly what you're saying is is spot on. But even if the referees just had some humility in the way they talk to players, the way they understand players, um, Phil brought it up in the chat there. Ollie McBurney was booked at Spurs and, and ultimately sent off for telling the referee that he had his shirt pulled. Now, I'm, you know, I'm not stupid. Ollie McBurney doesn't come across as the most, you know, <laughs> polite, cultured young man. I'm oh, sure, yeah. I'm sure there was a few F's and B's in it. But who cares? Do you know what I mean? Who cares if? Unless you have got, a, you know, a Roy Keane that situation at Old Trafford all those years ago. Now, for me, if I if I say to you, Carl, I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, Carl, what the fuck are you doing, mate? What a fucking joke. Or if I say, Carl, I, I believe you've made a mistake there, old chum. It's, it's no difference. I'm still saying the same thing. But you, you, if you, if I question your decision, you're going to take offence. Whether whether you if you believe that you've got you've made the right call and I believe you haven't, you're going to take offence. It doesn't matter how I speak to you. Now, if I'm right up in your face and I'm you know actually insinuating violence, that's different. But Christ, these players, as you said, they're high-profile players. They're players at the. No, it's just on the screen there. Danny's put it there. Um, this is Paul Hackingbottom's quote. So as I say, I think he was a bit salty at the time, but he's saying the officiating is appalling. It's not about football decisions. It's about game management. They just don't know what they're doing. The, play- the people who are directing our game haven't got a clue about the game. They don't know football. And I, I tended to agree with them because it's just that you want that human element, don't you? You know, and and, the- and if you get a referee who turns around, like, you know, I say, let's just say for argument's sake, Ollie McBurney turns to the referee and said, oh, fuck's sake, ref, he's all over my fucking shirt. You're going to do something about that or what? The referee turns around to him and goes, Seen it, Ollie, all right? I've seen it. Let me deal with it. Let me deal with it. If if Ollie McBurney turns around then and goes, Oh, fuck off, you fucking this, you fucking that, fine, book him. But he doesn't. He asks one question, referee straight. It's almost like they're looking 
for that like, excuse to get the happened. book out. You know, I feel like they've been given free reign now to the book players. Mm. Yeah, and my issue now is uh, Paul Higginbottom is going to be fined by the FA for his yep. comments for mm. bringing the game to disrepute, even though he's just questioning. Why? I, I, and I feel like it's like a, it's almost like a, a mafia scheme where you can't question anything because anytime you question a referee's decision, you get reprimanded. Mm. Like they, they are protected. They are more protected than football players. They are so protected. It's unreal. Like, and all this PR stuff they're doing about, oh, um, you can listen to the VAR conversations. No, 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 no. Let's talk about... And they never, ever, ever talk about the mistakes that they make. No. It's always, oh, we've got this penalty uh, shot right, or we've got this done right. This is the reason why we didn't give a penalty. How about giving the reasons when they blatantly make mistakes and mm. the rationale behind that? I just... And I don't want to make this about referees, so we'll move on quickly, but I just feel like we just need some consistency. And that's all we're asking for. Like, mm. if you're going to have a foul in this game, the next game, make sure that the same foul is in that game because mm. you then can't say, oh, that's a foul, but, oh, that's not a foul. And you're right, it, the, the referees are just arrogant because they have now been given free reign. Don't take any shit. You can just tell that meeting, you know, um, Howard Webb sort of bought them all in. It was like, right, guys, we're not going to take no shit from these players. Any lip, we just book them straight away. And mm. you just think yourself... Some humility, like even if they even if they just took the players aside or to captains and said, Look, I know like you think of something like next week when we play Spurs, it's gonna be an amped up game. Both teams are unbeaten, both teams are gonna wanna go for it hundred percent. So there are yeah. gonna be some challenges, there are gonna be a lot of F bombs and things like that. It's a it's a derby game, and I understand the referees tolerance may be a little bit high, but if the game starts getting out of control, as a referee, you should the first thing you do. Captains, to me. Every yeah. other player, go away. Every other player, fuck off, go away. Captains, mm -hmm. I understand that this is a North London derby. I understand that you both want to win. But these challenges are getting a little bit too much. I'm going to give you one minute to go and talk mm. to your players. You tell them, I'm not expecting the game to be played like on a school ground, but these challenges are getting a bit too much to so just calm down a little bit because the next challenge that I see and it's out of control, mm. they're going to get booked. Captains, go away. Do you know what that would do? That would absolutely, that would, whoever the captain is, they would go down to their players and say, look, guys, look, your challenge is getting a bit rough. Let's just mm. calm down. We want to keep this 11-11. We, we've seen it. We've seen it, don't I? I actually think the referee did it at one point yesterday with with Erdogan and Talkarski, didn't they? I think towards the end, he pulled them both together. So it's proven that that system works. So as you said, it it ultimately all comes back to that word consistency. Um, let's bring it back to the game then, because after 26 seconds of joy, we uh, we did get the, the what proved to be the winning goal. Martinelli hobbling off with that hamstring injury. I I wouldn't expect to see him back for for a month now. Apparently, it's a grade one. Um, oh, is it hamstring injury? So I think they're saying three weeks, but Arsenal's yeah. a quarter a month. Yeah, I was going to say, call it a month. With with Hammies, you can't, you know, you can't take a risk, especially with a player who relies on pace. So, realistically, that's probably a month. So that may well give Leandro Trossard an opportunity to get some games in, and he he took that that brilliantly, didn't he? Uh, that I love, I do love the thwack of a post or a crossbar when the ball goes in as well. Oh, yeah. That's always, always yeah, always an experience. Um, and there's no better goal than 
than uh, than a, a ball flying past ADHD Pickford, as I like to call him. What an absolute tool that man it's is. Good old hands. But yeah, T-Rex arms. You can't save it. Anyway, but um, we'll come on to keepers later on. But yeah, delicious strike. Not 100% sure I buy what Leo Trossard said post-game and Alteta when saying they've worked on that in training. I, I'm calling bullshit on that, <laughs> if I'm honest. But, but there was definitely a routine to the short corner. I think probably Fabio Vieira should have got the shot away. I think his touch is a bit heavy. But nevertheless we have the composure to work it cleverly and what a finish. And he's a player who, barring a few, he's had a, he's had a fair bit of bad luck, hasn't he, in terms of the goal at Leicester. I think he got chalked off uh, last yeah, season. He's at the bar a few times, but he technically, he's one of the best strikers of the ball. I think we've got at the club. And I think he hit that with his wrong foot. He was saying post game as well. It's a bloody good yeah, strike for his wrong foot. Wasn't it? it was, it was brilliant. And um, he's someone that, you know, kind of deserved a chance to coming into to the game and he'll get it now now Martinelli's out because he'll definitely take that left uh, wing position but um, yeah he, he's he's a really good player and you know the fact that we could have got Modric and who knows what Modric would have been like under Arteta we don't know but the fact that we didn't get him didn't get Modric and we ended up with Trossard and I, I feel bad saying that we ended up with Trossard because <laughs> um, he's such a good player and he is like a really good striker of the ball. And I think, whereas with Martinelli, you may lose a little bit of pace in the team. I think with technical ability, you gain something with Trossard. And mm. maybe he's a bit more of a goal threat because he'll be more willing to take on shots. I mean, the game may change a little bit with, um, uh, with Zinchenko playing, obviously, behind... Um, Trossard, because he's probably used to doing that quick touch passing with Martellini, uh, a quick cutback, and then obviously getting the uh, goals that way. But I think whereas now Trossard will be able to get the ball, trap it, come inside and and hit it. So, you know, it, it remains to be seen how we play. But I don't feel like we lose anything um, with playing Trossard. I think in more, we probably gain more because we're probably end up having more shots on target. Um, mm. which is obviously a good thing. But, yeah, uh, all credit to Leo Trossard. The game was kind of petering out a little bit. I, I felt like when he came on, he had a little bit of a hard time. He wasn't really finding the rhythm of the game. Mm. And then, obviously, he got the goal and we started to play a little bit better, which was obviously brilliant. But, yeah, more credit to him. It was um, a brilliant strike. Nice little cutback from um, Bukayo Saka uh, involved, which is obviously always a good thing. So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm happy. It always felt like a one-goal game, didn't it? Or a you know one goal and then a breakaway last-minute second type of game. It never really felt like it was ever going to be more than the one goal. Um, individual performances as well, couple to highlight. I thought Zinchenko's second half was very good. Um, something about his performance in that second half, he just seemed to his passing was was, was exceptional. I thought in that period of time and his link play from that left-hand side was was excellent. And dare I say, his defending was quite good yesterday, which when all said and done is what he's in the team for. The um, the other two I want to highlight were was uh, Declan Rice and, and um, William Saliba, because I just felt those two together for very different reasons were really key to that performance yesterday. Saliba's sort of calm, just calmness. And there was one moment, I think it was um, 
Beto went running down the first half, didn't he? Sort of decided to take on Saliba. He just casually went, no, no, mate, no, 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 no. Just sort of ushered him out of play. But it's not just what he does when he's actually defending Saliba, but it's that calm presence that he has, that he brings to the team. And that's why I brought up Declan Rice, because for me, it's quite similar. Um, somebody, I must remember to tweet them back, actually. Somebody tweeted me yesterday and said, like, thoughts on, on Rice. I feel like he's massively improved us without being spectacular. Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously, we had the moment against United last week. Fantastic. But I just feel like he's a player that has already come into the team and it feels like he's always been in that team. Do you know what I mean? He's just come in. It's been very seamless. He's playing two or three different roles in in the, in the same game, i.e. he's moving from sort of holding midfielder to eight, sometimes in, in at six. He just... He's just very Rolls Royce, isn't he? Him, and that's why I like the the element of him and Saliba together in that performance. I just thought they were both really good yesterday. I think you took the words out of my mouth because I was going to use the word Rolls Royce. Um, <laughs> we can't have a, it... we can't have two Rolls Royce, maybe a Ben <laughs> yeah. and a Rolls Royce in the same team. Do you know what it is? <laughs> the biggest compliment I can give to Declan Rice is when Thomas Partey gets fit again. I don't know if Thomas Partey gets back into the team. Yeah, I was going to, and that is that. the biggest compliment I can give to Declan Rice. He's coming. Mm. And he's just, I feel like he's, he knows his role. And when he's got, when he plays that six and he's got two attacking players in front of him, like uh, Vieira and Odegaard, he knows what to do. His job is to mm-hmm. break up play, get the ball, give it to the attacking players. And that's what he was good at West Ham, breaking up play, getting the ball. There was one time yesterday, I don't know if you remember it, where I think Everton managed to get the ball back and he ran back, got the ball, just turned and played it forward. And I just thought, that's what we're missing because if Declan Rice went there and that was, say, last season with Granit Xhaka, Everton would have broke on us. Mm. But Declan Rice's desire to get that ball back was just effortless. And yeah, I think he is just a calming player. And you're right, I think he looks like he's been in that squad a, a long time and that's obviously um, a compliment to give him. And I think that he's going to improve. I mean, remember, we're only, what, five games in? Yeah. So you think to yourself, when he actually knows exactly how the team play and how good uh, we can be, and when fitness levels are up after Christmas, I think that's when you're going to see like him probably get into his own Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, when we and when he's battling with Thomas Partey to get back into that squad, um, that's gonna be an interesting thing because like I said, I don't know if Thomas Partey gets back into the squad on the form that we are now and that midfield, I mean, I mean we'll talk about it later, but Arteta talking about, you know, no one's uh, guaranteed to start, which yeah. okay, he kind of has to say that, but <laughs> I think we can kind of you know, if we, we can pick like five players in that team who are guaranteed to start if they are fit. And yeah. obviously Declan Rice now is 100% one of them. I think uh, I can see a situation coming in January where they do let Party go. I know Juventus were sniffing, weren't they? Um, and I wonder if maybe this is the the grand plan for the... Because we're, we're not seeing anything, basically, of Emil Smith-Rowe at the moment, for example. Vieira is only really getting chances this season because of his pre-season form. Havertz has been earmarked for that role. Um, and, of course, you've got Jorginho there. But don't forget, you've got good old Moel Nene, 
who, you know, you would probably put Jorginho ahead of him in the pecking order, but Mo's the sort of guy who would just happily sit on the bench. And I feel like we probably can afford to let go of party in, in January if you've got the rest of the squad fit and you've got those options available. And that's what Rice has done. He reminds me of Emmanuel Petit, strangely, because it he's just he's just got that sort of style of play about him. Uh, with I remember when Petit first came in because he came in as a left back from Monaco when we signed him and, it, and Arsene sort of converted him into this midfield. What I liked about Vieira always got the headlines because he made those marauding, you know, long long legged runs through the midfield and obviously the crunching tackles and everything. But Petit was always that just that presence, you know, always in the right place, made crucial interceptions, had a had a technical level about him. He could pass, he had good vision, good in a tackle, and he was a very he was a silent leader, a bit like Gilberto as well. You know, you wouldn't sort of necessarily see them shouting and hollering the whole game, but they led by example. And I feel like Rice is kind of the modern day version of of that in our midfield. So yeah, that's what a hundred million quid gets you at the end of the day. So um, mm. unless you're Chelsea, who, you know, to be fair, I'm surprised Chelsea didn't strengthen over the summer, given their results this season. Do you know what's um, mad is that if only they had spent a little bit of money, they might have like, finished. Might have been 12th. all right. Yeah, oh, yeah. Fuck, no, they are 12th, aren't they? I forgot. They yeah. are 12th, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pochettino, yeah. Anyone would think he might be a bit of a fraud. Anyway, uh, let's shall we shall we um, shall we sort of move the stone covered in moss out of the way and address the goalkeeping situation then? Because I I, f- I have a lot to say about this in terms of Arteta's comments afterwards, but we'll come yeah, up in a minute. They, um, what do you make so of the I actual can... decision? I mean, what what did did you see it coming? Because I didn't see it coming in this game. I thought we'd see it in the Champions League. I didn't see it coming in this game. I saw it coming, but like you, Chris, not in this game, mm. but. Looking back in hindsight, if you were going to change your team against any team, it's going to be Everton, isn't it? Because mm. let's face it, they are, as you call it, dog shit. Um, <laughs> I don't have a problem with it, if I'm really honest, because at some point, you have to give people game time. I remember talking about Mill Smith for later, but at some point, you have to give him game time. I mean, yes, he's here alone, but you know we're going to make it permanent um, at yeah. the end of the season. Um, and to throw him in at the Champions League game, I don't think that should have been right because Aaron Ramsdale got us to the Champions League and he's earned the right to be... Um, he's earned the right to start the Champions League game because without his performances last season, we wouldn't have um, got into the Champions League. So for me, the first game uh, at the Emirates in the Champions League should go to Aaron Ramsdale. Hundred percent. That's what I think. Interesting. We've we've never used the quote from Piers Morgan on this podcast. God, we fell off, didn't we? Jesus Christ! For those that are not watching YouTube, Danny has just put a post up on on uh, the YouTube live page, which is from Piers Morgan, suggesting that Mikel Arteta humiliated Aaron Ramsdale by dropping him for David Raya. I I'm, I'm really torn on this one because I. I sort of feel like the reason that a lot of people are upset is because Ramsdale's a very likable guy and he's obviously English and, you know what I mean? If this was Martinez, Leno, you know, an an insert goalkeeper name here, I'm not sure anyone would really give a monkey's. Do you know what I mean? But I feel like because Ramsdale's so popular, 
and I know I know a lot. Like a lot, listen to a lot of podcasts. A lot of people have, have been voicing their opinions on this. We didn't bring Raya in to be second choice, did we? We maybe no. brought him in to be joint first choice. But for me, when I take when I take away the the fact that I quite like Ramsdale as a bloke and as a leader, and, and I think he's you know he proved me wrong because I thought we ever spent on him at the time. I no harm in admitting that. But when you take away all all of the the loyalty and the the favour we have in him and all the saves he made last season, when it comes down to it, Raya is a better goalkeeper. Are we? Do you agree with that? That's kind of how I see it. Mm, I don't. Do you know what? I'm 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 going to say I don't know. And the reason I'm going to mm. say I don't know is because I don't think I feel like I've seen enough of David Raya. I don't. I don't claim to have watched a lot of um, Brentford last season. I saw a few clips of him. Um, I think the stats between those two are very, very similar. So I don't want to say that uh, one's better than the other. I think once I've seen both of them play consistently, then you can make a decision. Mm. Um, I mean, by all intents and purposes, they've got a clean sheet on his debut. Um, I mean, he has nothing to do. He he? he, he didn't have a save to make. Um, I'm not going to lie to you, but um, I I, I don't know. And if you just put a gun to my head and say who you can only have one to start the goalkeeper um, for the rest of the season. I don't know who I choose because mm. I want to. My lot. I do. I have not been the um, Ramsdale's biggest fan for the whole season. I think Femi could attest to that. I've questioned Ramsdale. I thought sometimes he just has a brain fart moments where he just goes. Mm. His brain just stops in the middle of the games. And he there's just a bit. Does. Of, there's a bit of Pickford in there, isn't there? Yeah, just, he just, just does occasionally. Like... It's almost like boredom because we don't have a lot of mm. shots on us it's like when we do get one he just goes weird and I think some of the goals that he's conceded like if you think the one against um not Forest uh oh, the team that scored yeah that mm. one was just stupid there's some others that he's conceded and he's just like come on you should be better than that mm. um but without him without somebody saying mean, but for every bad thing he's done you can think some of the good saves he's done. Do you remember the free kick against um, Leicester? Where the Anfield kind of, save the, air, the Anfield save. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So there are, for every bad thing he's done, every good he's done something good. So I'm not saying he's a bad goalkeeper, but like you, Chris, when we first brought him in, you can look at my Twitter, I'll be very honest. I was like, why are we spending 20-odd million on mm. this guy who's been relegated three times by three different clubs? That so I was yep. absolutely so, livid. Absolutely yep. livid. But... but you know, um, he's he's proven me wrong. Like, um, I feel like he did need competition because last season he had none. Mm. Like he had no competition whatsoever. I mean, yeah, Matt Turner was there, but there was no. He was a very fear. second choice. Yeah, yeah, there was no yeah. fear that Matt Turner was ever going to be uh, first choice, and even got to a point where even some of our Europa League games, Matt Turner weren't playing. They were playing Ramsdale. So that's yeah. just to show you the faith that um, Arteta had in him. But I I would be happy if Raya had a, a, a string of league games and um, Ramsdale played the uh, Champions League games slash cup games. I'd be very mm. happy with that. Well, where do you... Let's go on to the Arteta comments then, because there's two two sections of this 
we'll, we'll come on to the, the batshit crazy bits in a minute because I, I definitely want to talk about <laughs> them. But, but the one point that he did make, as you alluded to earlier on, he did say that nobody's guaranteed the spot in this team. He wanted, you know, he wanted competition for places in every single uh, department, which, uh, Mikel, you might want to have a look at the strikers, my dude, but, you know, never mind. Um, but, uh, yeah, but um, the, the argument, th- this argument that is going around a lot of the generic football podcast today and a lot of the analysis that's, that's been done is there is this sort of sort of law through goalkeepers that, you know, you, you have a number one and that is he should play. He should be the consistent member of the defence. You don't change your goalkeeper. Brighton have been experimenting with it this season with Deservey. They've been swapping their goalkeepers in and out. Man United have... No, no, sorry, De Gea was just shit. Uh, but other teams have experimented a bit. But the other one that I don't think anyone's really mentioned was West Ham made a big change this summer. Fabianski's mm. been consistently pretty good for them. But Ariola was fantastic in their Europa Conference League win last year. He's come in this season as number one. Fabianski's done nothing wrong. Ariola's been absolutely brilliant, um, and a, a French international, no, no less. So, is it just a case of that maybe Mikel's just looking at it and thinking, well, you know, he has every right to change the goalkeeper? Do, do, are, do we are we all stuck in the olden days? Are we all are we all sort of thinking, well, you know, we're back in the days of Jens Lehmann and David Seaman, you wouldn't change. Do we have to just come to the reality that you actually can change your number one? and still get consistency out of the back four in front of him. I mean, yeah, I mean, in training, you should have relationships with anyone because that's what should happen. Like, if you take out Saliba and you put someone else next to Gabriel, that they should be able to play together. Yes, Mm. you have a relationship. Gabriel Saliba have a relationship, but you should be able to pick and choose. And obviously, the goal, the defence know how Ramsdale should play they know how he comes out they know if he stays you know his voice is command of the area um and all things like that but i think you're right because i think times are changing and i don't think that you should have i don't think i i personally don't think anyone should be guaranteed a place because that's how complacency happens and I think that's what happened to Ramsdale last season. He knew he was going to be number one. He knew there was never going to be a chance where he was going to be dropped. Mm. Now he's thinking, shit, I need to pattern up. I need to make sure I'm good because this guy, David Rea, is looking over over my shoulder and he wants my number one jersey. He wants my position. And now I have to be better than him um, to keep my to keep my place. And that's mm-hmm. how everyone should be. That's how every single person in Arsenal squad should be looking over their shoulder thinking, I've got to be better than the person behind me because I could be dropped. Now, I don't... I, I'll let you talk about his, his comments, but I don't believe for a second that he was going to do what he said he's going to do. Um, no. But um, <laughs> I believe that Arsenal don't have... I mean, I wouldn't say the defence are going to be scared thinking, shit, who are we playing in front of today? Um, <coughs> sorry. Um, I don't know what to do. But I honestly think that competition is healthy. But as long as you're not on... I mean, obviously, the team will know who's going to start probably a couple of days before any game. Like, mm. 
the team will know who's going to start on Wednesday. They they know that already. They're not going to be told that when they get to the ground. Oh, by the way, you are playing like it's not. It's not like that. Learn like he's in films and football manager. Like you pick your team way before, um, and my issue. I I don't have an issue with it. I just hope that it doesn't cause content because I don't know if you've seen uh, another report. Apparently, Bayern Munich are on radar, and so are Chelsea um, for Ramsdale. Mm. Ramsdale signed the new contract last season. He's not going anywhere. He's not. Sorry, but is there an element of protecting his value with that? Do you think now, when you look at it now, and you go, actually, because because you 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 can't you can't really lose then, can you? Because at the time he was our number one, he was playing really well. You get him on a new deal, so you protect his value, and then if a better because we 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 as you as you just said, then we don't know if there is a bona fide number one or not right now. The question will be answered probably in the North London derby because I think if Ramsdale plays on Wednesday night, which we'll come on to, that to me doesn't answer the question of who's number one. It just means he's going to play that Champions League game. And arguably he earned that because he got us into that Champions League last season. But if Raya then comes back in on Sunday, it still doesn't answer any questions. No. But, but the argument surely could be, well, you signed Ramsdale to a new contract. He walked in when Leno was technically our number one and he bounced him out. Is this just Mikel's way of saying, look, this guy's Spanish and I'm Spanish? No. Um, but is, is it this? Mm. Is it his way of saying, I just believe that he's an upgrade? Like, what's the difference between Raya potentially coming in and being better than Ramsdale than us signing Declan Rice, who is better than Jacket, for example, who the fans all decided we loved it towards the end? It, it's just upgrading, isn't it? If you want to be the best, you have to sign the best players. Like, that's just... Joe Hart was... I mean, he was all right at Man City, wasn't he? But they had the opportunity to sign Edison, who was at 22 at the time, and they did it. So, I mean... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Is it just that it's just, Like I said, it's just, it's just this whole goalkeeper thing. I, I'm number one, I should play every game. Which you shouldn't. Like, no goalkeeper mm. should ever think that they're the best in the world. Um, or, and, or they should play every game. Competition is healthy. Um, yeah. And like I said, as long as in training, your back four is playing with David Rare and then second half, they're playing with Aaron Ramsdale. So you can see how they are. Because mm. um, there's going to be a point where you know injuries happen. Even to goalkeepers, injuries yeah. happen. Yeah. So what you don't want is people to come in cold. So I don't have a problem with it personally and I like chopping and changing uh, mm. especially for cups I, yeah, for yeah. cup games I cups will definitely fine. have one league I'm not too sure but it keeps it keeps the opposition guessing and mm. don't get it wrong the opposition do do tactics for goalkeepers as well they may say yeah. oh if X players if this player's player yeah do the corners near post because he can't get there yeah, or this person process, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's all different so keeps the opposition guessing but yeah, uh, I think, yeah, let's talk about his comments. Now. Yeah, what about the... Co- I mean, this this is just this is just Arteta going going full galaxy brain, isn't it? Like, uh, you know, I love him as next as, as, as much as the next man, but he, he was on the gummies yesterday, wasn't he? I mean, you, you cannot for a minute tell me that he believes that, that stuff, seriously. No. Like, I know it's marginal gains, and I know at the elite level of sport, you've got to make big decisions, but I just... I don't buy any of what you said. Did you? Did you? No. 
So for anyone who don't know what Arteta said yesterday, Arteta said that there were times in certain games where he wanted to make a substitution for the goalkeeper because he felt it would give him a better tactical advantage. Um, And he regretted not doing it in some games because he felt that he should have been braver and did it. One in the 85th minute. I'm not sure how a goalkeeper would have changed the game at that stage, but, you know, (laughs) okay. So I don't know if he's trying to protect... You know, his goalkeepers, I don't know. But Arteta, you were never going to do that. And I feel like maybe he has to do it now because he said it. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's one of those things where he's just saying it to cause uh, people talking. But there is no reason why you should ever substitute your goalkeeper in the 85th minute because it gives you a better tactical advantage. It won't. Let's be very honest. It will will not. Because what are you looking for to happen? Because all you're looking to do now is invite pressure. Because for me, if a goalkeeper um, is substituted, I'm going to say to my team, take fucking shots from anywhere because he's going to yeah. be cold. So if you get a yeah. ball, just pepper, pepper him through shots. Yeah, That's what he would do. So I don't see that being a tactical advantage um, mm. in the slightest. And I don't know what Arteta was smoking on at halftime or what happened. Do you think- um, do you think maybe it's a slight um, Derek Ten Hag, as we're now calling him? Do you think it was a bit of a smokescreen because the questions were always going to be about Raya versus Ramsdale, and this is him trying to trying to deflect by everyone thinking that he's a bit mad rather than the, yeah, of the course, because he's silly. Like you know, when I make a substitution to make tactical advantages, it's always like a right winger or a midfielder or something like that. Why not mm-hmm. the goalkeeper? He kind of like because there's a reason for that. Goalkeeper's not going to give you any tactical advantage. No. Like he's not at all. You're not going to bring no. on Ramsdale um, for Rea because he can, he's going to, you know, ping the ball. Create from deep. Yeah, <laughs> that's not going to happen. So that's just nonsense. That sometimes no. you may look at Arteta and think, mm, yeah, that's really, yeah, that's not too bad. Yeah. You're right. This point, no, nah, it's not. Like, there's no yeah. advantage to it. But I guess it was just a case of, he was probably getting too many questions about Raya versus Ramsdale and he wanted to deflect a little bit. And Needed to throw the sudden, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Um, what, what, I, what I will give him credit for is I, I can foresee, I'm not saying it will happen, but I can foresee the future being rotational goalkeepers. I can see that being a thing. The, the fact that Brighton are doing it. And isn't it funny how Brighton have done it and nobody's really mentioned it at all and yet we do it and it's like, you know, so it's it's funny how that sort of goes, and I, I I wouldn't be surprised if more teams do look for goalkeepers because to be fair, like I think even towards the end of the season, weren't Man City playing Ortega in a few of the quote unquote yeah. shittier league games while they're in the Champions League? So I mean, it's I think not they wanted to get him his uh, his medal, his medal. Game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It so, is a weird one, it, and it will be interesting to see who who is in goal, not just for Wednesday but also for Sunday, because you do feel like that's that's going to be interesting. Uh, being honest with you, mate, like as much as I, as we've already said, I like Ramsdale as a character. I do. I, I don't care if you're in goal. I don't care if Danny's in goal. If we win something, I couldn't give a toss. Mm, like it's, I, I'd you know, Danny's in goal. Yeah, if Danny's in goal, I mean he's he's prone to chips, literally. But um, yeah. It's an interesting one. It is. It is an interesting one. And all I would say is on the the visual test, Raya looks the part. Like he looked even from kickoff yesterday. We gave him the ball straight away, didn't we? 
He just looked. Yeah, he just you kind of want to give someone a, a touch of the ball, like calm yourself yeah. down. Um, yeah, and like you said, I don't think even if Ramsdale starts um, Wednesday and then Raya starts on Sunday, I don't think that tells you anything. I really don't. I think it tells no. you absolutely nothing. So, yeah, um, we'll I see think, about that. I think one will get one of the next three games and the other one will get the other two because we've got the Carabao Cup next week, haven't we? So yeah, I feel like Brentford one. have given permission for Arsenal to yeah. play Raya in that. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if um, I, I I'll put my head on the block. I, I say Ramsdale starts Wednesday and Raya comes in Wednesday and next week as well, or Sunday and next week as well. That's what I think happens, but we shall see. Uh, we're not paid to make those decisions, luckily. So, uh, and if we were, we well, if it was me in charge, we wouldn't have any of this crazy stuff going on. <laughs> We'd probably lose every game. Anywho, we are, um, as I said at the start of the show, this show is going to be a bit short tonight because we are doing two podcasts this week. And uh, I know that none of you believe us, but we do have lives. You know, mine's not very exciting, but we do have lives. Carl's definitely is. But we are going to do a little bit of chat about Wednesday's game because we have been away from the, uh, the bright lights of the Champions League for a while. What's your thoughts on PSV? Because um, there's a player I quite like, PSV. Who, uh, who I'm going to keep an eye on, but I'll come on to him in a minute. But what's your thoughts? Do you foresee this being not straightforward because Arsenal in Europe is never straightforward and Mikel's record is not the best, we have to remember. But do you are you fairly confident we can get off to a winning start in that group? So before I came here, when I was walking up the stairs, I was just Googling Eredivisie um, League. God, that's an exciting evening. <laughs> I know. I just I would literally just wanted to brain bash quickly. Um PSV played four one four, uh conceded I think it was one goal and uh, mm. scored thirteen. So it's not I mean, I'm basing that again on the Eredivisie, which I would put akin to maybe the championship, maybe League One, let's be very honest. Um the teams are not the Careful. best. Oh, you mean League One? I said League One, not League. Not in, <laughs> listen, I made my jokes about that yesterday in our group. <laughs> I, I, I politely ignored it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it's going to be straightforward. I honestly don't because if you think back to last season, we won at home, didn't we? We lost away. Yeah, I we believe. got slapped away, even didn't the, we? And even the home game wasn't, you know, straightforward in the slightest. Mm. Um. I think if the Arsenal players can't get themselves up for a Champions League game under the lights for the first time in eight years, you yeah. can't get yourself up for anything. That crowd is going to be... I know this this old saying of being like the 12th man. That crowd will literally be the 12th man because that the Emirates tomorrow is going to be so loud. It is going to be literally brilliant and like um, Phil just said like it's once you hear that Champions League music I'm telling you now that you are going to hear you know us cheer from you'll probably hear us in Plymouth Chris because <laughs> it's going to be really loud it's going to be electric and we're just going to you know just being in the Champions League for the first time in eight years it's, it's, it's so much the team there is no team talk to give what you mm. do you turn around and say we are in the Champions League guys we're back that yeah, crowd that. when you go out yeah. when you go out there listen to that crowd just listen to it and uh, I should tell you everything that you need to know so yeah and some of these players it's going to be the first time I mean we've got a lot of experience 
we've got a lot of experience in there, but you think of someone like Declan Rice, the first time he's playing in the Champions League, David Rea or Ramsdale, first time playing in the Champions League. Um, you know, it, um, it's going to be um, Gabriel, first time playing in the mm. Champions League. You know, we've got experience as well because we're going to have Zinchenko who's played in the Champions League before, so that's fine. We're going to have uh, Jesus if he starts. Um, Odegaard, I think he played for. Did he play for Real Madrid? I think he did. Yeah, he played, yeah, and also you think um, Saka as well. The first time he's going to play in the Champions League. Yeah, that's nuts, isn't it? Yeah, crazy. So, mm. yeah, these guys are going to be up for it, and I don't think it's going to be a straightforward game, but I think it's going to be an absolutely electric atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. For those who don't know, PSV, so they they typically play a four-two-three-one. So, kind of, you know, a lot of teams play that kind of formation. Uh, they've still got Luke de Jong, who I seem to remember caused us problems last season. They do not have Javi Simmons anymore because he's gone back to PSG and then back on loan to Leipzig. So that's one good thing because he is a hell of a player. But they do have two very quick wingers in Bakayoko. I think they signed in the summer, who's a kind of a leggy, kind of tall. It reminds me a bit of, um, he's a bit Riyad mahrez He likes to cut in and, and shoot on that sort of weak foot or, or in his strong foot coming from the weak side and Noah Lang is the other wide player who he's been in Belgium I think he's a Dutch international he's what he's he's a classic kind of I was going to say Anthony but we won't talk about that piece <clears> of <throat> trash um but yeah he, he's one of those players who you know promises quite a lot but doesn't hasn't really lived up to the the, the tag that he had as a, as a youngster the one I quite like though is is Siberi who's the the Moroccan lads, Ismail Siberi, he was the guy who slapped Rangers about basically on his own in the last in their last qualifier. Mm-hmm. Um, just looks a real talent. He's actually 22, so he's not really a youngster, but he's had the opportunity to break through this year when Simmons moved on, and um, I like him. And he's, he's kind of a cam, kind of a striker. He works between two. He's almost like centre forward in the hole, um, and I think we'll have to be on our guard against him. But, yeah, if they play Luke de Jong, I mean, I would back Saliba and Gabriel to deal with him. To be honest, in fact, I would. I'd imagine Gabriel would be the one who would, who would mark Dion because he's a big, you know, lumpy centre forward. I think he'd quite like the physical battle, and that, that would allow Saliba to patrol Siberian. You know, I'd, I would back Ben White and Zinchenko to to keep those wingers quiet. But yeah, they're they're not a bad side. PS PSV. Aside from those two, in our group. Oh, I don't want to jinx anything here, but we've got two other sides that are bang out of form. Sevilla, I think Sevilla won at the weekend, but I think that's their first win of the season. Yeah, They've it's been the first struggling, win. Um, with Sergio Ramos back in tow there. And the one I can speak a bit more uh, about is Lance, who are currently bottom of Liga at the moment. Lost five in a row. Lost five in a row. They got beaten by, by Mets at the weekend, which all credit to my partner, Jeremy, here is a Mets fan. I don't think anyone saw that coming. And that was a home defeat as well. They had something like 34 shots. I think Mets had two and won 1-0. It was a classic smash and crap. But, <laughs> but they are, they're struggling. They're really struggling. They've got a really good coach. The The atmosphere at the Bola is fantastic, but they're really struggling. Um, for me, and I'm, I'm wondering on your opinion on this, do you go... We talked about rotation and everything. Do you go balls out as sort of from our position and say, right, we need to get nine points from nine first and get these games won? We start at home, 
we, we, you know, we've got the home game with Lons, uh, home game with Sevilla, sorry, away to Lons. We've got to go strong in these first three games, haven't we? And capitalize on these three teams being in, well, PSV are in decent form, but should be beating them at home. And the other two being off form. We've just got to go after it early, haven't we, and try and get nine out of nine from the first three games. Yeah, win, get the group done, qualify, and then do what you need to do, rotate. Yeah. You Rest keep players. these games until we've uh, qualified, nothing. If we qualify after, like, four games, I'm a good then, yeah, the last two games, you can rotate the head out of. But until such time that Q is by our name, nah, uh, you got to go balls out, no rotating, no going... Um, playing a quote-unquote weakened team, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, no resting, unfortunately. Um, because... Think... Sorry, go on. No, no, go on. No, I was just saying that because you don't know what could happen. You could, you know, let's say we beat PSV and then we uh, beat um, Seville and then for some reason we say, oh, do you know what? We're going to rest players against Lance. Mm. Like I said in the beginning of this show, this team has not won a game in five games. Play Arsenal, they turn into fucking prime <laughs> 0809 Barcelona, probably. Um, so uh, I'm not trying to rest anyone just yet. So yeah, get the points on the board and then qualify. And then, like, yep, yeah, we're good. Because we know that Sevilla, they probably, if they lose two games, that's it. They're going to throw their hat into that uh, Europa League uh, yeah. spot because they're not going to want to qualify. Um, and it's. It's a tough week, isn't it? Because we have got to think about Spurs at the weekend as well. I mean, you know, you, you don't want to look beyond the game you've got. But if if we are if we can get a good start against PSV and are comfortable, quote unquote, that's when you might want to start looking at giving some players some some time off. Oh yeah, I'm hoping game. so. Like if we're like I don't know, two up, seventy five minutes, then yeah, Saka, get your ass off. Odegaard, mm-hmm. get your ass off. Rice, get your ass off. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe not two. I'd rather have three. I don't trust. <laughs> I mean, you think to yourself, Rice has played every minute of every game. Yeah. So, um, Saka, did he get substituted? Saka's played it. every minute since football was created, I believe. This is true. Yeah. I think Odegaard came off uh, in the very dregs against Man United. So, yeah, you're kind of hoping that uh, we can rest some players um, because that's the reason why we have a squad. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, do, you, but, do you think Mikel's under pressure as well in this? Like, because I alluded to it there, but his record in Europe is is not the best, and it has been a, I wouldn't say a weak side because we haven't really seen enough of, of Arsenal in Europe to judge. But you know, our performances have, we have gone out of some pretty shitty teams. Let's be honest in the Europa League. Yeah, um, going out of Sporting so, last season was a joke, like an absolute yeah, was, joke. Yeah, because yeah. um, we should have beat them all hands up. Yeah. Um, we just got beaten by a stupid goal. I mean, which, it was a brilliant goal, but it should never have been. Yeah, in that it should never. We should never have been in that situation at all. And Ramsdale should never have conceded a goal like that. I don't care what anyone says, like, ever. Mm. Um, but this season, like I said, being up for the Champions League, if you can't get up for the Champions League, whether it's home or away, once you hear that music, back where we belong, we, we've got to play well. I'm not listen. No one is under any illusion that we are going to win the Champions League. Not in a month or Sundays are we going to win the Champions League. But I'd like to see us go deep into it, um, Pauls. Um, I'd like us to, you know, I, I think minimum this season has got to be quarters. No matter who quarters, we get in the round yeah. of 16, yeah, um, minimum has got to be quarterfinals. Yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, you say it doesn't matter who we get. If we draw Bayern, then you know what's happening there. 
a certain English striker is falling on his ass several times and we're probably getting oh. beaten by four pens. But um, although, strangely, I never thought I'd ever say this, I'm quite looking forward to Harry Kane versus Man, Man United. I'm actually, I'm, I'm kind of quite <laughs> excited about that prospect, dare I say it. But uh, yeah, just just on that subject, um, while we've got a couple of minutes before we wrap up, looking at that Champions League field, who are the teams you're looking at in, in this year's, I mean, I, I guess Real Madrid and Bayern stand out as obvious, but is there others that, that you look at and go, mm, yeah, worth a watch or, you know, worth keeping so- an eye on? Man City, you got you can't not be on the holders. I think um, no matter what you think about Man City, they are a very good squad, mm. um, a very good team. That robot they got up front is just brilliant. Um, and once De Bruyne comes back and Rodri, I don't know, I don't know what the fuck, I don't know what that guy's eating or drinking, but he is just oh god, he's <laughs> he's a midfielder. He he's very very good. He's um, annoyingly he good, isn't he? Yeah, yeah he's. He's a good. He's um, also a massive shit house, which makes it even more annoying that he's good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you're looking at Real. I, I don't really rate Barca. I'll be honest with you. I don't. I don't know they've what got, to make of them. Yeah. They've got Lewandowski up front, who's always going to get your goals, no matter what. Mm. Um, but I just don't feel. I think they come up against someone good. I don't mm. feel like they're going to do well. Um, I watched Bayern versus Leverkusen on Friday. Friday, was it? Yeah. Yeah. And even that game, I didn't think much. I mean, Leverkusen came back with a very late... um, uh, Seventh-minute pen, wasn't it? Yeah. Watching the game, because I really wanted to concentrate on them, I just thought Bayern weren't brilliant. Um, They're not very Bayern-y, are they? No, they weren't. They weren't brilliant. (laughs) I mean, you know... I said Harry Kane. I mean, Harry Kane's always going to get your goals, no matter what. I hate as much as you. He's a prick. He's a very good striker, mm. um, and he's going to get your goals. But I just didn't think in that team they were anything special. Mm. Um, PSG. I'll be honest with you, Chris. Um, I watched. Um, oh, well, who did they play last? And they Nice lost three yes, one at the weekend. Lost three. Yeah. Yes, I watched that game, mm. and even that. Apart from Mbappe, I just mm. can't. I can't look beyond him and the rest of the squad. I mean, I don't know if that was their starting squad. I don't know if that was the team that they, you know, their strongest mm, squad. No, there's a couple missing, yeah. But a I didn't missing. think Marquinhos anything rest, them, for example. Yeah, I didn't think that was anything spectacular. Mm. Um, and I don't think there's many teams. I think you can't look beyond Real. Bayern will be there or thereabouts. Man City definitely will be. Um, of the English squads... Do I think that we've got the strong, the best chance? Hundred percent of the I English we teams. Have. We are, we are yeah. definitely the best of the English teams. Yeah. Um, you look at the Spanish teams, like I said, the top two, um, the German teams. You're looking at only Bayern. Yeah, French, Leipzig. Again. They're in there. Yeah, in those, those, well. yeah, of the French teams, PSG obviously are always going to be there no matter what. That's the um, square on screen. Yeah, the Italian teams. I mean. I think Lazio. Inter are dark horses, but I think they learned a lot from last season. They look really good against Milan at the weekend. They won five one, and they just look. Yeah, they look like a side that's starting to to click for me. Uh, Lazio, you know the Italian champions. You can't look beyond them. They're very good, but Napoli. Again, so, Napoli, sorry. <laughs> Lazio, I'm one of them. Napoli, for a long time. sorry. <laughs> Napoli, sorry. 
Um, you can't look beyond the, the uh, Italian champions. Um, again, maybe AC Milan. Uh, that is a that is a a group and a half. That group. Yeah. Um, I I know we talk about it, but you can't Newcastle getting out of that group. It's a possibility. It, mm. I think it really is. I think Dortmund are probably not as strong as you hope they would be. So you think, P- yeah. So you think PSG? Um, you're, you're thinking that they're going to take that group. About AC Milan are going to be there or thereabouts. Mm. Newcastle are going to take points off people, but you know, once people go to that um, arena in Dortmund, you know, will they be overruled by it? So that is a real, <laughs> a real group hmm. of death. So I don't, don't know, but yeah, I think of the English teams, we are definitely. Uh, best suited to go um, further than anyone else. I'm quite looking forward to Jason Tindall versus the Yellow Wall. That might be quite a good, fun, <laughs> fun enjoyable, or the, or the Paris Ultras, or, yeah, that might be quite fun to watch. Eddie Howe in the What Champions about yourself? Like, who do you, you think, if you <sighs> was to place, if I was to give you £10 and say, Chris, put £10 on 18 to win the Champions League outright, who would you go yeah. for at this moment? I, th- I think I'd go Real, purely because of that the squad that they've rebuilt and it's Ancelotti's last season, isn't it? Before he goes off to Brazil. I just feel like as much as it pains me. Yeah. It it pains me to say that they've got one of the generational talents in, in Jude Bellingham. Um, He's not the best midfielder in the world, by the way, have a a word with yourselves, England fans for Christ's sake, but he's very good. I'm not going to deny that. He's very, very good, but let's just rein it in a little bit. Uh, but yeah, that forward line, you know, Vinicius and and Rodrigo and um, who's the other one? They've got, I mean, Modric and Cruz are still are still doing their bits. Schumann, Kamavinga. I mean, that that defensive side, Militao. Ah, just I, I just it's, feel it's like, horrible, isn't it? Like that midfield is yeah, yeah, ridiculous. It's just there's just so many good players there. So I, I mean, you're right. 115 charges FC were, are going to be favourites for obvious reasons because they're just going to do what they do. I, I think I'd rather pick out three that I think might surprise a few. Mm-hmm. This, this, um, this round, I think Leipzig might do better this year. I've been watching a bit of them in in the Bundesliga, and we mentioned Xavi Simmons before. He's he's really hit the ground running, and that side looks really good this season and I have a suspicion they might get out of that group with with Man City. Inter I've already mentioned, I think they've learned a lot from last season and I like the look of that squad. And this, this won't surprise anyone, but I I think I have a feeling PSG might do a bit better this year. No yes. crazy. Yes, uh, well no to, 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 in my defense I've always written them off as a bit of a clown car because they have been. But I think under Enrique I, I think they're on Sure, they weren't great at the weekend, um, and a few of their big players didn't turn up. But you've said it yourself, Mbappe's a match winner on his own. But oh, yeah. more importantly than that, Enrique is actually he's actually got them playing as a team, which since Messi and Neymar's departure, I think is. I, I say I'm not saying they're going to win it, but I wouldn't be surprised if we were sat what, here in May th- and they were in the final. Do you think you obviously you're an expert on French football, but do you think that? It's they weak. I mean, they've got they've got rid of Verratti, who is yeah. arguably one of the best centre midfielders in the 
is was the best midfielder in was, the world. Yeah. Um, and then you've got Neymar's gone and Messi's gone, and obviously, like I can't believe like this Draxler. and they let him go. Jackster, how <laughs> I can't believe they let Jackster go. Like, but yeah, but um, in all jokes, do you so? Do you think they are? I mean, any team without Messi is obviously weaker. Let's you'd be very honest, like, but he was never going to stay. He was always going to go. Um, yeah. But even Neymar, as you know, he was a bit of a prick, but he could play football. Yeah, but that's How, but you just answered your own question there. This, this, this is this has always been the problem with Project PSG. It's a circus off the pitch. It, it was, you know, it, it doesn't matter how good Messi was. It doesn't matter how good Neymar was. Messi was always a consummate professional off the pitch, but he never really wanted to be in Paris. I mean, you saw him when he left Barcelona. You know, he cried his heart out. He never really wanted to go, mm. and he and because he never really found he was all right in Liga. He wasn't bad, but he he never hit top form. And Neymar was always a circus. He was just you know. He again, what a wonderful footballer! But he'll look back on his career and go, "Could I've done more?" This is a guy who's Brazil's all-time top goalscorer now, but he won't be looked at in the same likes as Pele or Jairzinho or you know all the greats from Mario because because of the fact that he's pissed away what could have been a Ballon d'Or winning career because he likes to party too much. <laughs> like, and you know what? You live one life, enjoy it. You know, it didn't do Ronaldinho any harm, did it? But the difference is Ronaldinho won the big pots at the the you know the highest stage possible with Barca, Neymar didn't, and that's that's the issue PSG have. They they have they have actually now got a group that is a bit more together, um, and they've got baby Mbappe as well. There, his brother is now officially in the first team squad. So you know yeah. Mbappe Mark too. But but yeah, but when you've got a player that good like Man City with Haaland, you you just you can't rule them out. They're not. They're not the same PSG that we've we've had the last couple of seasons. Like I say, I'm not I'm not saying they're going to win it. I'm not I'm not going to go that bold, but I wouldn't be surprised if they actually start performing the levels that that squad is. Look at look on paper at that squad that they've got. It's frighteningly good. It really is. It's really really good squad. As is Man City's. You know, Inter's. I say Leipzig. There's a few teams in there, um, and. We mentioned already Bayern, one of those sides that you just can't rule out. So it, it has the potential to be a pretty good Champions League this year. And yeah. by the way, flop of the Champions League, I'm going to call it now, will be Napoli. I know you said you can't rule them out, but under Garcia, they've looked very average. <laughs> so I so think, I'm going to call it. I think there's not many teams I fear. I think Real, maybe Barca... Yeah, I think any other team, Arsenal should should be yeah. able to beat. There's no uh, Man City, obviously, but yeah, yeah, I don't think there's any other team that if we put on a hat like, oh, Arsenal versus Inter, I wouldn't be like, oh my god, that's a bad. I'd be like, mm, mm. you know what? We could do. We, we need, could do it. We need to win our group. That's key for me. Win our group. Oh, yes. get seeded for the next stage, and then you know, if we draw a decent side, uh, <laughs> Josh is Celtic. There. Yeah. Celtic, yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I like you. I think quarterfinals is is a a minimum that we should be aiming for, and anything higher than that is a is a fantastic achievement. So good stuff. So we just, I just, you forgot to mention, Chris, who Chelsea got in Champions League. Um, yeah. Also Spurs. Who did they get in the? Champions and Liverpool. Who did? Um... Liverpool. Yeah. Oh, we'll do it next episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you if you guys know, please write in. Let us know. Um, 
send us a postcard or something. Anyway, uh, right, we're going to wrap up shortly because uh, as Danny's kindly put on the bottom of the screen, I said we do this in 45 and we're here after an hour and a half. So we are going to draw a line. But we've got a couple of questions. I'm just going to ask. You've got to find... so, have I? Oh, Am I, yeah, am I right now? now? You're back now. Yeah, you're back oh, now. Sorry, I don't, I don't know what happened there. Um, first question was from Phil. If technology is required to find out if a player is onside or not, what chance does a player have to know if he's onside or not? I think you've answered your own question there. <laughs> I don't mm. think he does. I mean, it's. I, I kind of wish we could go back to that rule that they tried out with the daylight thing. I feel like that would be the way. Yeah, just, you know, like a boot's width. I just think give it to the attacker. That's, you know, that's how I see it. But. Yeah. Um, Phil also asked, are we allowed to like Kane now he plays overseas? I think you answered that earlier, Carl, didn't you? You're still not a fan, are you? No, he's still a prick. Anyone who yeah. plays for Spurs, no matter what, is a prick. Yep. Like, even Sol mm. Campbell. Sol Campbell played for Arsenal. He won the league double in Invincible, blah, 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 blah. There's still a part of him is like... Ugh, Tainted. Yeah. It's, like, it's like I'm having difficulties not liking James Madison anymore. Because I quite liked him, but now I look at him and I go, "Now nah, you're a snidey little fuck." Like, <laughs> you you know you know he's going down easy on Sunday, don't you? You just know oh, that he's going to be he's going to be the new the new diver of that pack, isn't he? So yeah, yes. um, yeah, I, I agree. Can't like Kane. Full stop. Unless if he bags a hat trick against United and celebrates all three at the Stratford, I may end, do it. I may I may smile a little bit. I, but... Yeah, I might have a grin. I might afford myself a grin. Yeah. Um, although Ten Hag in. You know, let's let's be realistic here. Hundred <laughs> um, percent. The final question was from Avon, uh, PSG related. Um, does Mbappe sign a new contract, or is he just stringing this departure to Real? A uh, bit of both. Bit of both, Avon. I think he probably does sign a new deal, but it will have a release clause that will have Real Madrid named in it. I think that's probably what's going to happen. Because don't forget, two sides of this story. Real Madrid were not exactly delighted that they didn't get the player in the summer. And the fact the player openly said that he'll stay another season. So he's kind of messed them around a little bit as well. So um, They've got no striker, really, have they? Um, not really, no. Vinicius is playing kind of out of position. They've got Josselu, mm. haven't they, up, up front? So he scored the other night, to be fair to him. But, uh, yeah. Isn't that, isn't that... Yeah, so Josselu, in theory, if Newcastle drew Real Madrid, Josselu could return to St. James's Park. What an epic return that could be. Um, okay. <laughs> but, yeah, in answer to your question, Avon... Um, yeah, I, I think you'll probably sign a short-term extension, but with a release clause that will inevitably lead to him leaving probably at the end of the season, I would have thought. So there you go. Right, just before we go, uh, for those of you who were here at the start of the podcast, well done to you. You get a big gold badge. Um, happy birthday to Ellis. Fuck Ellis. And Richard on Thursday. Yes, absolutely. Happy birthday to them both, but not Ellis, because fuck Ellis. Thank you, Danny. But um, yes, for those of you that are here at the start of the podcast and you're still here now, you get a big gold badge. For those of you who have just turned up late, you still get a gold badge, but it's a bit like shittier coloured gold. We mentioned that we have a prize to give away. Um, you will probably remember we did an interview with Charles, Charles Watts, with his new book, uh, Revolution, The Rise of Arteta's Arsenal, which we did a podcast on. You can go and listen to myself interviewing him if you wish. Uh, we have managed to secure another copy to give away. So we are because Carl and I had a chat before this podcast, and we were like, "Yeah, how you know, who should we? How should we do this?" And we thought, 
why not reward the loyal live listeners those of you who come in here week in week out and are here watching the live shows so here's how it's going to work if you are watching the chat live now and you wish to enter sorry to those of you who are listening to this in delay unfortunately um because you know you're not here but for those of you who are live here now if you are interested in winning a copy of charles's book which will be signed as well we will have it signed and personalized for you you just simply need to type the word arsenal into the chat into the live chat now and if you do that we will make a note of all of the people who have typed the word arsenal into the chat after we finish recording and we'll do a little draw offline and we will contact one of you via well, probably Twitter, I would imagine, because that's where most of you live. But uh, if one of you is the winner and is not on Twitter, then we'll find you. We will hunt you down. But uh, yes, so if you want to win a copy of the book by Charles Watts, signed and given to you free of charge, and we will even post it to you for free, just type the word Arsenal into the chat and we will do that soon. Look out. Can I apply? No, you are not. uh, You can buy it. Stop being a... Stop being a tight ass, Carl, for God's sake. You Danny like... doesn't pay me. Danny doesn't pay me to do this shit. I do it for free. Yeah, to be for fair. Years, Femi, for years, he's been saying it, Femi has got more than money. Like he, yeah. yeah, that man is richer than rich. And Danny doesn't pay me for this shit. Danny's been saying for the last three years, oh, mate, I've got you. The check's in the post. I'm like, you know where I live, Danny? Where's my money? How, but... how do you think I feel? I, I have to host this shit. I have to podcast with people like Josh for Christ's sake. Well, I don't actually because he's never here. But, you know, I mean, like, spare a thought for me. I don't get paid. Anyway, never mind. Love you, Josh. I'm sure he's on the golf course doing something or other in his Brighton shirt. Watching Brighton on his his phone. Yeah. And for those of you that have asked, by the way, John isn't dead. He just still hasn't got a home. He, He will be back at some point. Anyway, speaking of John, that's 26 seconds that you'll never get back in your life. So we are going to wrap it up there. Um, I think we did all right there, Carl, seeing as it was just me and you waffling on. So uh, thank you very much, sir. I appreciate it. Yes, no worries. Thank you for having me, Chris. Um, Danny still hasn't paid me. And I know where Danny lives now. So I will be going to his house to deflate the tires on his wheelchair (laughs) so he can't move. Unlucky, Danny. Unlucky. Right. Um, so to all of you that are in the chat and especially to those of you that have typed the word Arsenal, uh, stay tuned to our Twitter feed. We will announce the winner of the book shortly. And uh, do give Charles some support, by the way. If you haven't already, his YouTube channel. Uh, go and give him a subscribe as well as us. Flick our bell, subscribe for notifications when we go live. We will be back on Thursday. It's me, Danny and someone else, I think. Can't remember who the other person is, but I'm sure we'll work it out. But we will be here on Thursday to dissect the PSV game and, of course, look ahead to a little matter of the North London Derby on Sunday. That is us for tonight. Whatever you're doing, do it safely and uh, always wear protection because 26 seconds could change your life. I've been Chris. We have been of Oco Wonderland. Thank you so much for listening. Until Thursday. Good night. (laughs) As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Get down, dog. Splendid business. He nearly caught the bloody thing. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I was just eating a full quiche. Well, you don't often see him at him, so when you see him in the supermarket, they need to be swagged, microwaved immediately, and get the brown sauce on one. Bosh, Bob's your uncle. Never in doubt. <laughs>